Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The Internationalist Club, the worldwide club for the enhancement and understanding of Botanist culture. This is Lord Ward from the Australian Bureau. Logging in. This is Maud Marty from the Canadian Bureau. Logging in. Welcome to the latest episode of the Internationalist Club. This is Tim Sparrier, aka T Spurs, logging in from TIC headquarters here in London. Now, last episode, we discussed our beginnings of mod and how we experience it, the Lord Ward and Mob Marty and myself. This episode, we'll be looking at the beginnings of mod, how it started, the fashion, the music, the scooters. But before we go there, we need some news, and I think we'll start with the Lord Ward down in Australia. I'm glad you dropped the mister and come back with a Lord, because I was getting quite offended by that. But um, yes, good morning here from Brisbane. It's currently 7am. I'm looking out the window. It's it's a chilly morning in Brisbane. By chilly, probably it's about 20 degrees. So, you know, sucks to be everybody else in the world. 
News-wise, so myself and the current Mrs. Ward are boarding a jet plane to come to England next Sunday. So that's exciting. Yeah, going to be interesting to see you over here, sir. Yes, yes. And while we're on that subject, chaps, I'd like to talk, if I can, about the golden age of travel. Has that gone? I travel a lot and you see a lot of people dressed in crocs and tracky dacks. What do we feel about that? Oh, yes. Well, yes, I would say it is gone. Nobody really thinks of travel as a special occasion anymore. It's literally just like an opportunity to catch a nap and get to your destination. And sometimes I think people are exhausted by their trips, depending on where you're going. They're very long. So I've been spending the last three weeks thinking very deeply about what to wear. So I've pulled out a couple of suits. Are suits too much for a plane? You know, we, we tell me, chaps. What, what? Not for a mod. No, exactly. I, th- I think it's an opportunity to look your best wherever you are, whatever you're doing, yeah? Well, I'm, I'm with you on that. I like dressing up. So I just went to San Francisco and I'm the same. I give some thought to what I wear. I get quite distressed by, you know, flip-flops and Crocs and stuff. I like wearing some nice clothes. I, do you know, I did. i not totally suited, booted, but I had a jacket on and a shirt pair of trousers and a pair of shoes i and i probably looked very odd marty do you dress oh yeah i i will dress up just to go down to the local cafe you know like i'll dress in a suit i like turning heads too you know and in in winnipeg crocs and shorts and baggy pants and you know things with disney prints on it are the norm we have something called the canadian tuxedo which is literally blue jeans and a blue jean jacket and uh, some kind of button up underneath or lucky if it's a button up, it's usually a t-shirt and that's dressed up here. So I love to put on a suit and really nice pair of shoes, put on one of my nicest watches. Those are the things that matter to me. So I like to go down because people are shocked by it. So sirs, we certainly are stamping on more credentials in our travel situations. Marty, what's happening with you? I have news I'm very excited about because I've been working on a project for about three, well, actually, to be honest, it's been about 30 years in the making. Back in the 1990s, I did a comic book called Kindernacht, which was a scooter mod comic book. And I've been trying the last three or four years to revive it. So I finally finished the first issue. It's now called Shadow Company. And it's all like mods and fighting Nazi skinheads and spies. And it's not good radio, but I can show you guys. <laughs> you can. And, and dear listener, if you will check it on our new Instagram account, right? The Internationalist Club, we will chuck it up on there. Yes, sure. Absolutely. I'm at the point now where it's just ready to go to print. So I'm actually going to be printing physical comics and then sharing with everybody. And if everybody likes it, I'll do more. But it's been a long process and I'm very excited that it's finally done. Nice. My news, you know, dear listener, we are pre-recording this a, a few weeks before broadcast. But so by that time, Lord and Lady Ward will be in Fair Blighty. And I would have gone to, uh, which is in a week or so's time, the Love Supreme Festival in Lewis, which is, uh, for those of good taste, the jazz. It is a jazz festival, but there's uh, soul and funk. And I'm so looking forward to that. Two days, as per normal with the British weather, and we will get onto that. Um, it's been a bit abnormal the few, last few weeks. It is due to rain. So I'm not looking forward to that because I like dressing up, right? And I don't like muddy fields. So it's a bit of a conundrum there, which brings us on to weather, right? So weather here, you will be surprised to know, gentlemen, has been supremely hot 
I think it's going to be 31, 32 tomorrow and, and sunny and hot and beautiful when I've been in the garage working on the scooter on the 1973 Vespa 90, which is my everyday thing. Try and get it ready uh, because it's glorious weather here. I'm going to go uh, over to Canada. Canada, how's the weather at the moment, Marty? It's quite warm. It's really lovely up in the 30s, but there's incredible wildfires across the country, which is causing a red smoke that is like a haze over everything. It's pretty crazy. And it's also causing thunderstorms. I mean, I don't know. You've probably seen recently pictures of New York has gotten it really, really bad. Manhattan, like in a red haze, but we're very much like that too. So it sort of hinders the ability to go outside because the air quality is so low right now, unfortunately. But we, it's so hot and dry that Canada bursts into flames in the summertime. So is that big smoky thing going on? It reminds me back to the aeroplanes back in the day when you could smoke in the back of an aeroplane. <laughs> Are Canada like smoking in the back of the aeroplane and, and fogging out the Americans at the moment? Is that what kind of what's happening? That's exactly what's happening. We're, we're in the first class seat smoking out the Americans. <laughs> With the ashtray in the arms. If That's we right, remember, yeah. If us chaps remember that. Let's go down under to Brizzy. Shock me with the weather, Lord Ward. Uh, it's winter, but um, yeah, it's it's a cool morning at a nice sort of balmy 15 degrees. It's 7 o'clock in the morning, I'll have you know. 15 degrees. Have some of that. Middle of winter. We do need to throw in here regarding news, as we're in Blighty and you're in Australia, and we can, we can just nudge Marty aside just for one go that we've been watching the cricket, right? Hang on. We've been watching the cricket. <laughs> we've been watching the cricket. We're not going to mention it too much right now, but it's an interesting sideline, right? I think we should. So uh, I've been in Australia what, 22 years now, and there's a divide between the English that live here that now support Australia because they live here, and obviously us diehard palms that would rather have something blunt stuck up our bottoms rather than do that. So I'm one of the latter. So I will always, always, I love Australia. It's a fantastic country, but I have to support England. Of course I do. Absolutely. And my London abode is just a mile or so from Lords, so I have no choice. And of course, as a North American, it's a fringe sport. Marty, right? It's a fringe sport in North America. Yeah, I understand that. We do have cricket matches here and we have, there's a big park in the city where there's, you go there in the summer and there's always cricket matches going on. I don't quite understand the sport, but that's because I've never really paid attention to it. It's not baseball, so. Uh... <laughs> it's like baseball with manners, I suppose, Tim. Baseball with manners. And, and well-dressed. Back to dressing, right? We have to, you know. Well-dressed, yeah. Well, this is the thing I fence. And one of the things that took me to fencing was the dress because it's such a sharp uniform that you wear. All white, clean uh, lines. And, you know, I just, I love I love dressing up for fencing. Almost more than fencing itself. <laughs> when you say fencing, Marty, I'm thinking of someone that deals in stolen goods. Is that what we're talking about? Uh, no, I put up fences around people's houses right a fencer and uh <laughs> but there's a great uniform that we wear <laughs> i love the uh the differences we have in language because um marty was talking about his baggy pants and that means something very different for us matthew doesn't it now let's uh oh that, that went over my head <laughs> oh I pants, dear listener, in the colonies, pants mean something different. It is uh, mostly in North America, right? I think pants are, are, are gentlemen's trousers, correct? Or, or, or a trouser. In Blighty, and I don't know, in Australia, probably the same, pants means a gentleman's undergarment. Well, to be fair, you have underpants, which you kind do. Of makes it work then. Yeah. Suppose you don't have fanny packs over there, do you? Oh, 
We do, but you go to a special club for that. Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on from that. We will deeply get in trouble, but we have to point out these language differences. It's important for us, the Internationalist Club, to be clear on language. Let's move on to our main subject, which is, as you remember last week, dear listener, we started off with how we kind of got into the scene. And we thought, well, where do we go from here? And we thought, well, it'd be nice to kind of discuss the beginnings of mod, how it kind of evolved, where it came from. And bearing in mind, none of us were actually there. So we're talking, you know, late 50s, early 60s. But we kind of touched on it briefly last week, I think. So we thought, let's go a bit further into that. And I think I touched last month on a story of a girlfriend's father who was a jazz boy. And that kind of led us to this discussion about where that was at and jazz. Any initial thoughts, gentlemen? I'm going to go with Marty about the beginnings of mod for you. Well, as you said, we weren't there, but I do believe that we each have an understanding or at least our understanding of where it all started, how it all came to be. A lot of it, as you said, the jazz, right? But infused in that and quickly afterwards was the blues and R&B or early, early R&B. And I think that's where the elements went from jazz to mod, you know, jazz boys to mod. So I think the music will be a really good explainer of exactly what it is we're talking about, because there are sure. different kinds of jazz, right? Absolutely. I mean, Matt, from from your point of view? Yeah, there's probably, there's two things I'd like to discuss here. Probably the first one, it's like uh, Wigan. I have met probably 47,000 people that were at Wigan. Now, I don't think it was that big. So I, I feel there's there's a bit of exaggeration there, probably on my part as well. But I've also met the same amount of people that are original mods. And again, I think it was, you know, it was a bit of a subculture. So there wasn't that many people. But interestingly, the current Mrs. Ward's parents actually came out with it the other day and said, oh, you know, we played, uh, Sam's mum was listening to the show. And I think there was Georgie Fame. She said, oh, yeah, I know Georgie. We used to go down the club. And, and suddenly, you know, they were part of the scene by default going around those Soho clubs back then. But yeah, for, from date wise, what was it 1958 was supposed to be the the kind of landmark day, the birth of mod. Is that is that correct, Marty? I know you're you're a yeah, uh, 1957, 58, 59, right right around there. It all depends on on where you were coming from. My father was a ballet dancer in the 1950s in Canada, and in 1954 he moved to London and was a huge jazz fan. And so he would go to Soho and and take in the jazz and take in the all of that stuff. So again, he was there as well, but not a mod. He was just too old for it and also a Canadian, not, you know, the stories he would tell me about the things that he saw as well. He can't remember names, but I'm sure that he went to see Georgie Fame and, and he definitely went to the Flamingo and spent lots of time there. And that's sort of where it all started. Sorry, t- Tim, do you feel, did it start with the music? Did it start with the clothes? When did scooters come in? I, that's a really interesting question. I kind of, I think from having read a kind of bunch of stuff, and there isn't actually a lot of decent books on, on mod. There's a, lots of photo stuff and coming in out. I think like anything really good, it evolved out of loads of different stuff. So we had that discussion about the jazz boys and from the late 50s, early 60s, were often East End lads coming over, often Jewish, funnily enough, sharply dressed, wanting to go into, into kind of Soho and playing that kind of music. Some of them on scooters or not, but I think it was still look cool. But interestingly, perhaps we could touch quite early on about Absolute Beginners, right? Because that's set in 58. 
um, in Notting Hill. It's never officially referred to within the book as mod, but it's certainly got the styling and that's got the scooters and the music and the clothes and the style and the aggression. And that's the thing, because it does start as a movement before it actually gets a name. All of these things did. Northern Soul was Northern Soul before it was Northern Soul. You know, it was named that when it was in already going, right? And, and mod's the same thing, probably from the press giving it a, a nickname but i think personally i feel as though music is the starting point what that jazz thing how about you matt what do you think yeah again i from what i understand i wasn't there but from what i've understood it, it was almost the clothes came first i think there was a small bunch of individuals that decided again this was this was post-war so the war had been finished what, what 12 13 years and uh there was a new degree of optimism. So I think there was, from my understanding, there was a small group of individuals who started buying French and Italian suits, et cetera, et cetera. And it kind of grew from there. I, th I think that's, my understanding was the very, very um, base of the whole thing. I suppose so. And if you look at uh, kind of my background's film, so if you look at film at the time and the kind of chicky French new wave and Italian cinema that was coming out, you certainly got that sense of that. But I want to jump back slightly there because someone, I think, bought, bought it for Christmas maybe a year or so ago. And there's a fabulous book called Black Ivy. And it's about the kind of Ivy lead look that came out of Black Jazz. And uh, you can actually see that stuff early with, you know, with Miles Davis and people like that wearing kind of button down shirts and loafers and things. And it's like, well, that's not Italian and that's not mob, but that's quite early on. Right. What do people think about that in terms of the kind of amalgamation of crisscrossing the ocean with styles, Marty? Oh yes, absolutely. As much as the Italian style and fabrics and cuts and everything were really popular. It, it, a lot of the American collegiate look, was definitely just as influential and that was something that you know it was almost coming from the same place where a youth that was thought of as either children or adults there was no in between was suddenly becoming a genre of its own a teen who had a little bit of money in their pocket and were able to create their own style and it's before they become adults and professionals and this was happening both in the united states and in the uk and when you've got that kind of freedom, but you don't have a history to, to draw from, you're creating it on the spot. You're drawing from what's happening around you. And that I, I feel as though that's what mod started out being, just drawing from all those classy, sharp styles that were so beautiful. Yeah, Matt. So, okay. So we denoted that it started in England, went to the US now in the here in Australia, things tend to take a while to get over here. So uh, the original mods hit us about last March. So we've got a bit of, catch, bit of catching up to do. Thank you for the courtesy, love. Um, yeah, a bit of catching up to do. It does tend to take a while to get over here. That's why the Easy Beats went over to the to yeah. uh, to the UK. Yeah, and we, the, the Guess Who, did the same thing. But it, was, it didn't go as well as it did for the Easy Beats. Yeah. By the way, guys, we, we played the Easy Beats the other day and you got Steve Marriott on backing vocals on one of the tracks. Uh, they were good mates, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can, when you listen to I'll have to dig out the track. When you listen to the track, it's one of their, one of their big ones. You can hear Steve Marriott just singing his heart out in, in the background. It's just wow. a wonderful thing. Once you know it's there, he uh, actually takes over the, the main vocal. Is so prominent. Such a good voice, that man. Beautiful oh, voice. Without a doubt. Yeah. 
I think it was interesting we skipped back slightly in terms of where this all started, in terms of it was very much a jazz thing. And I think it was very much centred in central London around Soho and those jazz clubs. It was it was a quite kind of bespoke look, a kind of clique, back to that kind of faces thing, who could peacock up, who could look good, often working class kids, very kind of, you know, sharp, wanting to look different. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll skip back to Absolute Venus in the film maybe later, that kind of Dean. Dean look, that sharp look. And it's a very far cry to how it became maybe in Quadrophenia, which is that kind of much more popularist thing. But what we thought we'd do this week is we're kind of trying to interweave music, right? To interweave the music. And I'm I'm thinking, because we're thinking of that Soho and that jazz, I'm going to take the first pick on the music this week, if you don't mind. We're going to do a couple of tracks each, right, guys? So um, I, I've picked, if you don't mind, a bit of Tubby Hayes. Why wouldn't I? I think we British jazz legend died way too early. I think, you know, his music often a bit patchy, but certainly um, a genius on the sax. So I've picked The Last One by Tubby Hayes. I think 1961, so not early, early, off the, off the album Tubbs, and I'm going to play it for you now. Is that all right, chaps? Please do. I think uh, we'll nip off and get a pint of bitter while you're doing that. You yeah? do that. Off we go. 7 a.m. Thank <laughs> you. 
that feels like just Soho, late 50s, early 60s, all over Tubby Hayes. I think that's a, I could feel the mods were all over that one. Absolute class. Yeah, it's wonderful, man. Um, there, there's a great film. Is it A Man in a Hurry by uh, Mono Films about Tubby Hayes? That's, um, yeah, that's a fab watch or listen. Well, it's perfect because the way he just speeds through everything. I mean, he's he's working inside of like one scale group and he's just and the drum solo is like like you got this incredible juxtaposition of the, the two tempos. It's just amazing. But again, you can see the lads and lasses kicking around Soho listening to that and, and you know, scooters and sharp suits. So I kind of in terms of that, you can see where that jazz influence, but I, I think you both have said it soon multiplied into something else. It was quite a cliquey jazz, and they called themselves jazz boys early on, but soon that kind of broader American influence came in. And for you, Matt, where was that for you initially? I've always been fascinated with the, so I, I get the jazz thing and I love it. Tubby Hayes, brilliant. By the way, the voodoo session is my fave bit of Tubby Hayes. That just goes off in a different world. It's just amazing. I'm always fascinated by the change from sort of rock and roll to R&B to mod. There's a lineage there. And I love going back, back, back. So the first track I picked, it's not a traditional mod track. I know a lot of people go, what the hell is this? Uh, Larry Williams, Slow Down. It is sort of rock and roll, virgin on early R&B. But bands of that time were sort of looking back at that stuff and, and producing their own style of R&B as well as doing covers. So I think it's a really good lineage style record. I know the, the uh, Beatles did a cover of it. Obviously, the Jam did a cover of Slow Down on, was that In The City? It was, yeah. I didn't realise that was a cover of that. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and even like, um, I don't know, we all remember the Northern Irish group, The Stripes, they did a version of it as well recently so yeah just a a seminal track that a lot of people took as a start to sort of white r&b okay let's should we hear it yeah see what it sounds like
also incredible about this is this is the kind of thing that gets my spine tingling is the, the importance of Larry Williams himself as a as a musical a starting point because he wrote so much music that was covered by so many other people. He himself recorded incredible tracks that other mod bands have covered for years. And then going up into what he did with Johnny Guitar Watson for the Northern Soul scene later on, like, boom, mind-blowing stuff. And right at the beginning, he's right there at the beginning. So that, that, that's 1957, I believe. So <clears throat> we're talking about the birth of Mod is 1958. So those guys would be going back to that. Was, that would be modern sort of pop music to, to the modernists of the time. And uh, there's a lot of influence coming out. So you can see, you know, they're listening to jazz, they're listening to that. It's all kind of melding together. But that track is also a fork in the road where it separates the, the mods from the rockers. You, you're going into rock and roll, but you're also going into R&B. It's a real fork in the road track. I guess that's an interesting point, isn't it? Because we're talking about, you know, Teddy Boys back then, right? Particularly in England. And how they would have considered that track. Because it is it has, you know, strong elements of rock and roll, but... It's different. Right. Well, I, I think probably, too, as soon as the Beatles covered it, they were done with it. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> but for me, I think probably because of my age, the jam, that I, I just hear that on the In The City album, that power. I mean, that's a powerful song anyway, but then that's that, got that punk element to it. So fabulous choice there, Matt, in terms of a kind of... just uh, So, Marty, just something you said there. So where do we stand on the Beatles? So it's it's always been a massive discussion amongst modernists. The Beatles, are they, you know, should they be considered part of the scene? Should they not? There's, there's a really heavy divide there. What's, what's your thoughts, chaps? The Beatles were a gateway into mod for me. Like I, as a young kid, like uh, I think 10 or 11, my parents bought me the Blue Album and the Rad Album and I was obsessed, like obsessed. I loved it. I loved their look. I loved the sound. I loved all that stuff. But what I think is true more than anything is that Brian Epstein was a mod. Like he's the one who styled them. So they themselves, I'm pretty sure were well, especially John Lennon was a teddy boy. He was a rocker. He was like, I think musically they're vital, absolutely vital. They're fantastic. You can't deny that. But are they mod? I would say not, but I accept them under the umbrella of mod. I personally love them. But the other thing I find as a DJ is I find it hard to fit any of their music in with other music. It stands alone. Cool. Wow, that's a tick for Mod Marty. Tim? Who do you stand? Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm very similar, actually. I, from an early age, my dad had a jukebox in a little cafe called The Parlour in, in Medway, in the UK. And all the scooter boys used to go there. It was kind of mid-70s, so kind of mods. Suede heads, probably, playing the pinball machines. And there was a jukebox in there. And uh, when he left, they kind of gave me all the records. And there was a load of old Beatles singles in there, which I used to play a lot. Don't get me to name any, but it was a lot of early kind of early sixties kind of help and a bit earlier. And uh, no matter how tr- how often I try and go, no, not the Beatles, no, not the Beatles. I need to be cool with the small faces. And I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And the the Yardbirds and things like that. Just, you know, I hear Taxman Rift, done. You know, that, you know, and and then you hear it with Start with a Jam. And it's just, there's, I agree with, with you that they they were definitely not mod and we'll maybe go back to someday go to the Jewish influencers game with Epstein and mod right, right again <laughs> and he certainly was a sharp man but the Beatles were definitely not mod Ringo was a Ringo was a rocker John Lennon was a rocker Paul McCartney's more musical and fun you know there was nothing in there for that but there's a certain something that's so sparkly Matt yeah it's an interesting one is it I I've got this feeling deep down that the the uh, traditions don't call them mob because they were they were so popular and we don't like that we want our little subculture sort of hidden underground i i feel there's a bit of that going on i i personally love the beatles i just adore pretty much everything they did i'm glad they finished when they finished and didn't do the rolling stones thing so and it's interesting so yeah 100 percent they get my vote i mean they look sharp until the 70s they, uh, the music was spot on. It got better and better. The other thing that, I don't know, is a friend of mine once said, if you don't like the Beatles, he judges people by saying, do you like the Beatles? If they say no to him, because uh, you know, the Beatles are all about love and positivity and you know the, the background of all the lyrics. So if you don't like that, he kind of judges people that way. If you don't like the Beatles, well, no, we're probably not going to get along because we don't, you know. But yeah, I think they were a massive influence and we just don't want to call it. No, and in terms of music, we're, we're, we're on the gap here, aren't we, to 58? Because they're, you know, 58 gigging up and becoming what they are and, you know, roll over by over an R&B and moving up to more interesting music, right? Marty. Well, and, and that's the thing. They started off as a skiffle band and then Brian Epstein brought them. He chose the tracks that they covered from, like, all their covers in the early days. That stuff is all considered mod like you could you could pick any one of those things the original is a mod track the beatles did it they were super popular but i think the bottom line is every mod that you ask will say that they like the beatles but they don't consider them mod which is funny because then doesn't that in and of itself make it mod yeah <laughs> it's an interesting discussion isn't it and in terms of music marty let's go back because we've had a track each yeah and i'll be interested to see what you chose in terms of your kind of early influences and uh in terms of music i was thinking in terms of music that influenced later mod bands and also were doing their own thing at the time so what i chose was uh mose allison because and it's funny you know we both chose jazz musicians who are white isn't that interesting considering it's uh black music there was the occasional and i mean occasional white artist who could really just feel it. And Mose Allison, to me, has a very unique sound, a beautiful voice and a beautiful way of expressing as he sings. And his music, like Fool Killer, Young Man, and the track that I chose, which is uh, Seventh Son, and so many others were covered by great underground mod bands in years to come. But I think influentially with people who use the 
jazz flavor in their R&B or maximum R&B took so much from what Mose Allison was doing. Well, let's have a listen. But straight afterwards, I want to have a discussion about that in terms of why we chose White Eyes. And, and actually, probably some of our favorite artists are not yeah. right in terms of jazz. But let's have a listen to Mose. And then we'll, I want to get onto that discussion because I think that's really important. Here's a bit of Mose for you. <laughs> Talking about the seventh sun in the whole round world, there is only one, and I'm the one. Yes, I'm the one. I'm the one, I'm the one, the one they call the seventh sun. I can tell your future, it will come to pass. I can do things for you, make your heart feel glad. Look in the sky, predict the rain I can tell when a woman's got another man I'm the one Yes, I'm the one I'm the one, I'm the one The one they call the seventh son sound so sweet they will even make your little heart skip a beat i can heal the sick raise the dead and make the little girls talk out of their head i'm the one yes i'm the one i'm the one i'm the one the one they call the seventh son i'm the one i'm the one the one they call the seventh son Just so cool. Very cool. And I think one of the reasons why independently we chose White Eyes, even though I would say, you know, my favorite jazz musicians are by far black musicians. And we're talking, yeah. you know, Art Blakey and, you know, the, the classic stuff, you know. It's so actually, if we're talking about mod, it was basically white working cars, kids absorbing different cultures and making it something for themselves. So in the clothing, in the language, in the music, in everything. So it was interesting to kind of get that, what we call mod jazz, which is often very white, right? Yeah. How we chose about that. And that's about as smooth as we can get really. Yes. Most, right. Fully agree. Yeah. It brings forward. I mean, this is, this is, we're, we're getting deep here. Oh, it's deep. Oh, deep, deep, deep. But it brings into uh, questions, uh, you know, obviously the civil rights thing in, in America was quite rightly happening. And I think that, that there's, there's talk that obviously Motown had a massive influence in that, like, 
having that music going to the white masses actually started changing people's perception. I also think, you know, that's so in the UK that the whole scar and Boscar Reggae thing, thing happened. I think that was changing people's perceptions in the UK. So it's just wonderful the healing powers of music that can actually, I know when it's still not there yet, but it, the healing powers of music can pull away those divides. Yeah. What do we think? Well, I always think of the what was happening in Memphis at, uh, at Satellite Records, which became Stax Records, because that was started by two white people who were looking for black music and that house of music became this like racially mixed safe house for for musicians there's some wonderful stories about like booker t and the mgs two black guys two white guys together doing the most incredible stuff and like during the riots in memphis how they protected each other like they were all protecting each other they got caught in the middle of it and and they suddenly realized at that moment that hey they're black we're white we gotta just take care of each other and that kind of mix is what i think this is all about you know white people black people the just the love of the music it, it doesn't really matter the color of your skin but without everything that the black people went through in america there would be no jazz or blues or you know like that needed to happen for that to happen so it's interesting i go i'm throwing my baseball in because i'm a big baseball fan i was watching ken burns's baseball documentary and said uh i think it was i can't remember who said it was a black historian on the documentary says at the end of uh, the united states when it comes in it only be remembered for two things which is baseball and jazz and i think well both of which you know were, were exemplary used by um black people so I think it's quite interesting because this week we've had the wind, Windrush Generation stuff here was when the first ship started coming in for Jamaica um, and it's being celebrated. And so it should, because if we look at the birth of mod, it's entirely, you know, looking at foreign influences, whether it be European or North American, whether it be black or white or whatever it might be, and then just making that into something completely new, which was everything, right? Which was everything for me. So we moved out of that jazz early jazz click of people the faces in in soho and then it becomes more of a thing when it when the music changed i think i don't know for me um maybe it was people seeing these shark suits i need to do this i need to do that but the music soon changed out of jazz to much more kind of r&b and blues r&b and then then we're talking about the rolling stones and the beatles and and whatever what about you guys mm. what's your thoughts on that um mr ward Lord Ward, sorry, I don't want to demote you again. <laughs> Honestly, I've worked so hard to get the Lord status and you're just rubbishing it. Stepping all over it. Where, where, we, where we moved from jazz to R&B and what, what do you think that was? Do you think it was away from a kind of more click to a more... Because for the best word in the world, jazz is generally not dancing music. It's sit down and, and stroke your beard a lot. Although you can, and there's some great dance jazz, but when you move on to R and B, right? When you listen to that stuff, you you gotta dance. You gotta dance. So, do you think that made oh, yeah. mod a more popularist movement from one of a little click in in kind of central London? It's an interesting question. Yeah, I, without being there, it's tough to tough to uh, define. But I, I would think as as more pe people came in attracted by the clothes and then you're probably right mate they just brought their own sort of musical influences what about this what about this what about this play this as we know it's a massive range of music these days which is is 
primarily why I love it. I've been into this for so many decades and you still find new stuff every time. Um, you know, you kind of veer off, you know, we're talking about rock and roll. I've, I've recently veered off into a bit of rockabilly stuff. Oh, I kind yeah. of love that. Oh, yeah. Is, is it not? Probably not, but but there's there's DJs deemed in the mod soul world that specialize in that stuff. But when you get to hear a bit, a bit of it, it's just awesome. So, yeah, I, I, I um, that was a long answer to a short question, Tim. But, yeah, I think it was just more people coming in, bringing their own little influences, putting a little bit of spice in the pot, and, uh, and it grew from there. I also think it's important uh, on, like, a social level to understand that uh, we're talking about teens, right? We're ta- and jazz is a very cerebral music, and it's a very like, – the older I get, the more I appreciate it. And I loved it as a teenager, but I appreciate it more than ever now. And it's because I, I don't know if it's life experience. I don't know what it is, but teenagers also coming into the jazz scene may not have been spoken to quite as much by the jazz, but maybe more by the blues and R and B mostly also because of the lyrics probably spoke to them. Yeah, I, I kind of, I'm going to step back slightly and look at that absolute beginners because we've discussed that before informally because I think that's really interesting because they're yeah. like 16, 17 in absolute beginners, Colin yeah. and his mates. And some of the references to music is like the modern jazz quartet, right? Which, do you know, doesn't float my boat a lot. No, it, I find it too kind of mellow. Um, I, it's it's like lift music. It's like Muzak a lot of it. And I don't like it particularly. <laughs> That's elevator music for North Americans. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, our, our little thingy. So I thought, actually, that's a really interesting point because that that absolute beginner's thing, which uh, which I know we've all read, and it, for those who haven't, should do. It doesn't reference it directly as mod, but in terms of style and interest and race again and race rights, that's a really good place to be. But I think probably, Matt, you're right, that once it moves on to something and I'll do the inverted commas, the not the inverted commas, the air quotes, more poppy, more dancey, yep. less cerebral, then it becomes more interesting, right? For for the yep. everyday population. And maybe they're seeing more people like, hey, as Ab- Absolute Beginners does, we got more money in our pocket and we're gonna spend yep. it. And we're gonna we're gonna look good. And we're we're not just I think they refer to in the book as mini adults. We're yeah. teenagers and we're doing our own thing and which didn't exist before then. No, so, no. Even with Ted, there was a point that that was they were like mini adults and not yep. teenagers. So it's interesting to see, and I'm kind of I'm going to go music here again now, guys. Um, and and the reason I've chosen this one, and I'm going a bit later on, is 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 we're moving on from the jazz to the to the R and B, right? And I always remember seeing this little clip of a program when the Rolling Stones, who were at the height of their powers in about 1960. Three, I think, 64, early on when everyone was going crazy for the Rolling Stones, decided to bring some blues musicians over and go, oh, actually, you know, I'm going to tell you what this sounds like. And all these kids who have been going crazy for the Stones and other people decided then to, to, to hear from the originals. And you go, wow, wow, right? Because it goes from obscure bluesy rhythm and blues to actually they're on my TV. And it took a while to choose what I was going to do. It's not easy to boil <laughs> But it I'm going to go. It's not going to go. But if you look, find the TV, ladies and gents, every flavor of team, find the little video clip, but it's the Rolling Stones, 
on a little black and white program introducing Howling Wolf. And this is Howling Wolf, Little Baby from 1962. It's a beauty. You go and I'll come with you, little Every time it's got me right there. The the one thing that's really brilliant about this too, as we we're talking about the danciness of, of jazz versus all the other stuff is that is a, a, a dance track. And when people think blues, you think, I woke up this morning. And, and people don't, first of all, go to, you can dance to blues. It's just like you sit and cry into your drink. Right. But the blues and what is jump blues or r&b is upbeat dancing music and about love and loss and all the things that we can all relate to and interestingly when we speak we spoke about motown briefly earlier that they took that kind of r&b rocky beat and drum and stuck it on gospel and soul and then all of a sudden you've got a new type of music that comes at 863 64 but i think it's interesting in that you know, the kids are screaming at Little Red Rooster and other bits. And then here's the original, guys and girls. And this is, you know, we're going to dance this all out. So you can see how Mod moves from 
a kind of jazzy, cerebri, as Matt rightly points out, to a kind of, hey, hey we're just kids and we're going to have a fun, right? What do you think, Matt? Uh, I love that track. I love the blues. Any opportunity I get to play the blues, I just love it. Um, and I agree with Marty. It, 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 is, it is danceable. I mean, there is that, that very downbeat stuff which we need to hear, but it's, it's also joyous in a melancholic kind of way. Um, any opportunity, I love jazz. I, so I love that that blues and jump blues as well. It's uh, it's a wonderful thing, and and good on the Stones for bringing that to the masses again. That's well, as I understand it, Mick Jagger was a real blues freak, like really, really obsessed with blues. Yeah, I mean, their name comes from Muddy Waters' song, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you listen to the the, the first Yardbirds album, and they were going, you know, five live Yardbirds, and they're just playing blues tracks quickly hard and yeah. quick it reminds you of that punk thing again right we're going to play old songs but we're going to play them hard and quick and we're going to you know eric clapton on guitar and that harsh and you know harsh um harmonica and stuff it's just an interesting way of going and then you're getting kids and maybe maybe we'll move on to that as a discussion it's like is does it then become a uniform right does it then become when it becomes commercial does it become a uniform or is it we all try and be individual, yet we all want to belong. Where, where do you stand with that one, uh, Marty? So, well, that yeah, that's a that's a prickly one there because uh, it it is sort of a uniform, but it's a like there's a sense of uh, a wanting to belong. So that's an important part of modness. But it's that's what defines any kind of subculture or group. Uh, you know, everybody in it wants to be unique, but they also want to belong, right? You don't want to be alone doing your own thing because then you're just alone. But so it kind of needs to be a bit of a, a uniform in a way. Um, but with mod, what I love about mod is that uniform has so many different variations that is still acceptable inside of the whole group of things right and that's what makes it possible to be yourself an individual but still fit inside of that quote-unquote uniform absolutely i and i think it's the idea that even if it's a three-button suit right you know and everyone's wearing the three-button suit if we look in quadrophenia you know what what who are you going to see what tailor you got what colors are you going are you is that a boating blazer are you going that what do you reckon matt uh, it, it reminds me, I'm being cheeky, it reminds me of um, Monty Python's Life of Brian. Yes, we all want to be individuals. We all say en masse. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, right. I've, I've got myself in a bit of trouble with this, but I'm going to go out anyway. I, I've always come at modernism from a different perspective. To me, it's not about trends, etc. It's just being the best you can be at any point and doing everything in your life. So it shouldn't really be following anybody else. I've never... And, and please don't get me wrong, I, I dig the guys that do and it's their choice, but I've never worn a parker. I've never done the Target thing. I've never done all that. And I respect all that. But um, You are wearing a Fred Perry. I am, yeah. yeah. I love Fred oh. Perry stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've always, um, yeah, to me, modernism is a slightly different thing. It's about being the very, very best you can be at any point in your life or, or every point in your life and uh, whatever that means to you rather than just following old mate next door yeah but as you as you rightly said was like 
you've got a bit of a uniform going on and then someone gets like, I remember when I was younger, it was the same back then I've been spoken to people. Oh, so-and-so's got this new tie or this new, you know. Oh, I tell you why we're wearing um, parkas is because, you know, we want to keep our suits clean. So so we're going to stick parkas on and what's what can we get cheap? It's just that. Actually, that looks cool. And now it's a part of that. So you can I kind of talking to kids about that. It's the idea that you can fit in and be part of that and then be your own individual within certain things. And just as you said, Marty, and I'll say it, it's like an ethos, right? It's a feeling yeah. and an ethos rather than a th one thing. What are you saying, Marty? But there's not, there's nothing cooler than seeing like five, six, a dozen guys in sharp suits and parkas walking down the street. It's really cool. It, 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 and if you're one of them, like if you feel like, oh, those are my people, you know, there's just there's that sense of like, yeah, but it, it is the uniform. But it's still something that we can we can all see and relate to, you know, like like you're standing on the side of the road. You're maybe having a coffee or something like that. And a, a scooter rides by with a guy on, you know, on a Lambretta with a parka. And you like the, that's those are my people. There he goes. I know that guy. <laughs> so cool. Matt, what are you saying? It's just on that note. Do you remember that? Was it the Weller thing when he when he was in the Star Council? There's an infamous photo of him walking through a bunch of young mods that have got the Parkers on, and he's got this. I actually can't. can't he's got his hair greased back. Um, you know those very early uh, stages. Yeah. Of the Star yeah, yeah. That infamous photo where yeah, all these young lads in their Parkers are kind of queued up, and it's almost like he's kind of moved away from that a little bit is a bit removed from that it's it's a very interesting photo well, I, and that's interesting we'll do some more music minute because i was just going to say to that because mod only then lasts maybe a few years and then it evolves into right suede head and you've got rude boys and then you're moving on and on we'll do that in later shows it's just the idea that kind of it wasn't and when it became a bit too poppy it just did something else and then did something else and did something else where if we go back slightly to that where um i did my blues i did my blues talking about and going back to the beginning of mods and stuff and back to our music um i chose my uh my blues track of course howley wolf who i can never get that voice out of my head it's just gritty and beautiful um why did you choose uh big made up uh marty uh well i'll tell you why that track the track that i chose uh is um i've got a feeling which came out in what 1954 like early early on and what amazes me about this is that this kind of music was already happening like before jazz hit the youth of of london we're talking r and b like before r and b was even a thing and big mabel is a, a, a founder of the sound and was doing this despite the fact that everybody around her was saying, what, what are you doing? Like, this is not the blues. What are you doing? This is not, you know, easy listening or whatever it is that her people wanted her to be singing. And, and this is a sound that 10 years later was a vital sound that she recorded 1954. Yeah. And that's amazing. Cause it, I, for the, for how much I don't like the Elvis film for lots of different reasons, 
One of the reasons I really like it is it makes it absolutely clear that at that time in 54, that he's listening to black music and he's listening to people like yep. Big Maybell and going, oh, what can I do with that? And in many ways, that's quite a mod thing, yeah. right? Is Was Elvis a, an original mod? You know, oh, oh, should we hit? Well, in terms of style and taking it from black music well, yeah. and having white producers and oh, yeah. da, da, let's listen to Big Mabel and then we're going to rip that bombshell to pieces. easily mid 60s <laughs> right on a northern that's on the yeah. okay label i could i was just gonna say that's on the okay label like a, a blues jazz label from way back when it started in like 1930 or something like started way way back on 78s and this track is available on 78 by the way and uh and okay became such an important label in the northern soul scene and it, they went in a direction that mods were going in 
quite by accident, I'm sure. But uh, that and being being able to have a, a, an open mind enough to say, yeah, let's record this and release it, see what happens. But you can hear the gospel influence. You can hear the blues influence. You can hear what would become R&B in there and her, her gripping voice like that, that, oh, you man, know, yeah. like, it's oh, man, absolutely. So we can see from early on, if we look at jazz and that blues and R&B, so we talked about Thelonious Monk and, and, uh, and uh, Big Maybell and the, how the people were dressing that with that black ivy, we can see that leading up to modern, that jazz thing, I, you know, not consciously, but how that was, how English youth at that point was going, let's give it to me, give it all to me, and, and we'll see where that goes. And for me, it comes to this perfect point in the late 60s and goes, that's the best of that, that's the best of that, that's the best of that, best music, culture, every, and it for me, it was a pinnacle. What do you say, Matt? A big Maybell, wow! Just uh, it's funny when we were picking the tracks. I actually picked uh, Big Mama Thornton, uh, her version of Wade in the Water. Yeah. Which, <laughs> again, it's just such a monster, monster track and uh, gospel. Wow, yeah. I, I again, I adore that stuff. And uh, you're right, Tim. So those influences are all coming in. There was a uh, there was a point where the music scene was just perfect. I think there was just all these masses of influences coming through. But, um, yeah, it's interesting, the, the analogy with the, the male blues singers. So, yeah, the female blues and R&B singers, um, the, the quality of their voices and, and the power that came through on that is just awe-inspiring, just amazing hearing that. I, I, I had, um, yeah, I had shivers at my back hearing that again. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you can see how that it could easily sit much later on, like way into the 60s and feel quite happy mm-hmm. there and updated. And where did you go? So, Matt, where did you go next in terms of your music choices? Yeah, it's interesting. You were saying that you boys have picked mainly white artists, although yeah. obviously um, with the jazz, yeah, with with Mo's and, and with our jazz, things. yeah. I picked so I picked Larry Williams. I picked this particular track. I, I don't know why I picked it. It just came to me. I whenever I get asked to pick tracks, I go. I don't think too much. I just whatever comes straight to my head. And these, so Larry Williams came straight to my head. The second track, Richie Barrett, some other guy came straight into my head. This is 1962, so this is getting amongst it from a um, from a time perspective. But Richie Barrett, he was originally in in the early 50s. He was one of the independent black record producers, so he actually f- sort of shaped the New York um, R and B scene uh, almost single handedly. So he discovered uh, Little Anti Imperials, um, the Valentines. I think he went on, on to manage and produce the Three Degrees um, through their dodgy era in, in the 70s. Anyway, <laughs> um, man's got to earn a living, right? Oh, uh, needs some cash, man. But he, he, was, he was a predominant figure in, in the Atlantic uh, label scene. But, yeah, this particular track, Some of the Guy, 1962, obviously, again, covered by the Beatles. I've come oh. back to that. But again, I don't know why. But, um, yeah, they covered it in, in um, I think, the first ever – footage of the Beatles with Ringo so they ousted old Pete and uh, I think they were covering this particular track I don't think they did it justice the original to me is still the best it's just a, a phenomenal the big three do an incredible version of it yeah 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 big three too. 
Oh man, yeah. Well, let, let's listen to this one, Matt, and then um, let's see what we think on the flip side. Yeah, here's Richie Barrett. Some other. Guy. some other guy he um he actually modeled that on ray charles is what i'd say you can once you learn that you can hear it right yeah you can hear that right yeah 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 and that's okay we're back to dancing music right dancing all day long and you can the good thing about that is that you can uh, you know just let go and you can see those early videos of mods uh, <laughs> videos how are we gonna a film of mods dancing yeah. and they're just you know there's no set dance or anything they're just enjoying themselves what do you reckon marty yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, like, well, as you when right when you said that about Ray Charles, I was like, oh, okay, absolutely. They go together like that. I find it fascinating that uh, that whole conversation about the Beatles and and your two choices were both covered by the Beatles. It kind of goes to what I was saying about yeah. how they were those tracks were chosen, our mod tracks, and uh, yeah, definitely like. Uh, I, I had mentioned before that the big three do a cover of this and they're just a straight up maximum R&B uh, beat band. Um, didn't do a lot of releases, I don't think, but they do a really hot version of it. Um, and it's a kind of track that can be covered in any one of those genres, you know, like it's, it, it fits in and can be re recreated into whatever, the musician wants it to be and I, and yeah. I think that kind of versatility is very very uh big part of it too 
Uh, Matt? I was just saying, we, we all um, we all play records to crowds. We all do a bit of DJing now and again. Whenever you drop that, it it's just a floor filler. It's just every single time I've yeah. never seen it not fill a floor. It's kind of like, um, you know, as a DJ, you kind of have a um, like an escape record. If this if the other record's not going well, throw this on, and that's one of those escape records. It is. I kind of I'm going to slightly go 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 back to mod and where where it starts for a few years in this kind of quite cliquey um, group of working class boys mostly and women, um, and kind of grows into a youth culture. And interestingly, we it moves on into kind of mid-60s, as the Beatles did, into the cerebral side goes to more the psychedelia, right? It goes into that kind of psychedelic rock phase. Working class did not like that one bit and stayed with it with kind of suede head and skinhead, right? It goes, right, I'm staying with the sharp look and that, and we'll do it in another series. But actually, it's important to take it back to saying this was very much about working class young people saying i want to dress up and look good not cerebrally it's very much about peacocking enjoying themselves showing off and all those things and when it moved away from that it splintered again into something else which we will do in a future program right what do you think uh marty one of the points one of the things about uh the clothes that we wear wear and that the youth culture war in those days was that I work really hard and therefore I can't afford this. And that's one of the things about Fred Perry's too, is like they were very expensive shirt, Ben Sherman's very expensive shirt. And if you could afford it, that meant you had some money. And if you had some money, that means you work really, really hard working for the weekend. Your, your weekday was all about going to the factory or going to the job and whatever. But the weekend was about, dressing up, going out, dancing, spending some money on your girl, like that, that kind of thing. Um, and where that gets lost later on, or at least separated from later on is what's really interesting. Like what holds us in our fifties to something like that? Like we do, we do just fine. We're, you know, we have families, we've got jobs and so on. So it's not about that anymore. So the, the interesting thing is what holds us to that now matthew what do you reckon about this whole youth culture and working class malarkey so you're spot on about the youth culture and um to go back to some of uh marty's things like there's nothing finer than seeing the young the the, the young guys the teenagers dressed up because you know young people just look fantastic right they they just you know they've got they've still got their body shapes and all that kind of stuff. They look fantastic. As as us chaps get older, you know, it becomes more of a challenge. But that's that's a different gig. As a youth culture, it it just works. I think the challenge of it as as it as it moves on, where's it splinter to? And and uh, yeah, the youth will splinter into those those um, other things. I think the original guys will probably keep rolling on that same path. It just evolves into something different for them. And. That's going to be a whole other program. But for this episode, gentlemen, I think we need to, to log off and let our dear listener have a little rest from us. So I'm going to say goodbye to you, Mod Marty. Goodbye and thank you. Uh, goodbye to you, the Lord Ward. Ciao for now. Thank you, chaps. And I am logging off from the Internationalist Club Central Headquarters and I'll see you all next month. You have logged off from the Internationalist Club. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.